0: What is the unpardonable sin? Is it something that we can commit today? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Let's Talk About It. I'm Paul Robinson. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast, what it does is it tackles difficult theological problems and really just issues for Christians today. There might be something in the Bible that you're like, "Eh, I'm not really sure what the Bible means, or I'm not sure how we can take that and apply it to our lives today and to our culture today. Um, And uh, boy, there's a lot of issues, aren't there? There's a lot of things. That's what this podcast is all about, so I'm going to sit down with you and we're just going to talk about these things. We're just going to make sense of them according to the Scriptures, all right? according to the Bible. Not just, here's my opinion. My my opinion isn't worth much, is it? No, uh, we want to see what the Bible says. And today, we're going to talk about the unpardonable sin. Now, that's a heavy subject, isn't it? The the unpardonable sin, oh my goodness. And um, we're going to make sense of it. You know, I remember I remember being in Bible college and not knowing exactly what the unpardonable sin was. I would ask my professors, but you know what? They They gave me different answers. I think many Christians today are confused about this sin, or, you know, as it's known, the sin against the Holy Spirit. The sin itself is blasphemy against the Spirit. So let's look at what Jesus says. This is Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. And he says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Okay, so before we get into it, I I want to talk about what many theologians have said over the years all right is commonly taught that the unpardonable sin is nothing more than rejecting Christ as your personal savior all right i'm going to quote here the king james study bible now i do love this study bible but listen to what it it has to say and i quote the blasphemy against the holy ghost is deliberate rejection of christ his spirit wrought miracles and his salvation it is the ultimate sin that by its very nature puts a man beyond the opportunity of salvation. All right, so that's what they say. They say that blasphemy against the unpardonable sin is to reject Christ. Now, no disrespect, but how is rejecting Christ a sin against the Spirit? I would think that it would be a sin against Christ. After all, you're rejecting the Lord Jesus, aren't you? Here's another one. This is by Henry Morris. Now, again, I love Henry Morris. In fact, he's one of my absolute favorite theologians, but listen to what he says here. And I quote, the unforgivable sin of speaking against the Holy Spirit has been interpreted in various ways, but the true meaning cannot contradict other scripture. Okay. So I agree with him there. And he goes on, it is unequivocally clear that the one unforgivable sin is permanently rejecting Christ with such finality that no future repentance is possible. Now this seems to make sense. Alright? However, a lot of people reject the gospel when they first hear it, only to be saved later after hearing it possibly numerous times. I mean, did you get saved the very first time you heard the gospel? Maybe you did. Maybe you were a kid. Maybe you're five years old. You know, kids are very, very, uh, much more ready to accept the gospel. But you know what? I bet you heard it two, three, four, five, ten times before you got saved, right? So, how do you know when you've rejected Christ to the point of finality? How do you know you've crossed the line? This makes the unpardonable sin a very ambiguous thing. Well, guess what? As is always the case with Scripture, context is everything. All right, we need the context to understand what the impart uh, unpardonable sin is. So let's look at the context. All right? Uh, the context of matthew twelve thirty one and thirty two all right the Pharisees had just witnessed another miracle by Jesus. He had just cast a demon out of a man. all right I mean it is incredible, but what did the Pharisees say verse twenty four This fellow does not cast out devils but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Now that's a ludicrous statement. Does that make any sense to you? Oh yeah, he cast out the demon by the power of the devil. Okay how could Jesus cast out demons with the power of the devil it doesn't even make sense and and Jesus goes on to explain a house divided against itself cannot stand you know what the, ha- the Pharisees had just witnessed the power of God and yet they did something terrible they attributed the power of the holy spirit to the devil and that's the unpardonable sin make no mistake The unpardonable sin cannot be committed today. Jesus would have to be physically on the earth and someone would have to attribute his works to the devil. You see, this is a very specific sin. It's not just rejecting Christ, which is the broad sin of unbelief. A lot of people in the New Testament rejected Christ. How come Jesus never mentioned the unpardonable sin with them? Alright, the first theologian I read who put forth this theory was Paul Enns. He wrote... The Moody Handbook of theology, and uh I ended up reading this It was a textbook I had when I was in bible college, and I had never heard this this theory before, but you know what it made sense to me. I was pleasantly surprised to discover that a number of theologians believed the same thing, the same thing the fact that the unpardonable sin was a very, very specific thing that was a historical sin that cannot be committed today. it can't all right. So what I want to do now is talk about the theologians who got it right. Now, uh, again, um, I'm I'm trying to back this up with theory. And, and I'm sorry, scripture. It, it really is a theory, but I'm trying to back it up with scripture. And I'm trying to back it up with uh, common sense, you know, logic. Not logic is always good. But here's the theologians who got it right. So I'm going to quote a few guys here. First of all, we have J. Vernon McGee. I don't know if you've heard J. Vernon McGee. He is on the radio. Oh, my goodness. And he's such a blessing. Uh, Here's what he says, and I quote, In Mark 3, the Lord amplifies the matter of the unpardonable sin by saying that it attributes the Spirit's work to Satan, that Christ had performed these miracles by Beelzebub when actually he was doing them by the power of the Spirit of God. Okay, now he says this, In our day, that particular sin cannot be committed because it could only be committed when Jesus was here upon the earth. Okay, got it, so I agree with them. He, he's saying, hey, uh, here's what they did. They attributed the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil. And he said this cannot be committed today because Jesus would have to physically be on the earth. And, of course, he's not. I think J. Vernon McGee is right. Next is John Phillips, another great theologian, John Phillips. Uh, you might have read his commentaries. He's read a, written a whole bunch of commentaries. Uh, in fact, I think he just about finished the, the whole Bible. Uh, commentaries. Anyways, here's what he says, and I quote, The Holy Spirit can convict people of other kinds of sin and lead them to repentance, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit betrays a state of soul beyond hope of redemption. The people who saw so many mighty miracles, signs, and wonders in the presence of incarnate goodness and grace and attributed it all to the foul fiend of the pit could only be abandoned by God. They were equating the Holy One of God... With the prince of demons. All right, once again, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. That's what they did. They attributed the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil himself. That's, that's pretty bad, isn't it? In fact, that's evil. It's evil. Next is the Bible Knowledge Commentary, which I love to use. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, and I quote, The nation, because of its leaders, was on the brink of making a decision that would bring irreversible consequences. They were about to attribute incorrectly to Satan the power of the Holy Spirit exercised through Jesus and thus to commit the blasphemy against the Spirit. This specific sin cannot be reproduced today, for it required Jesus' presence on earth with his performing miracles through the Spirit's power. There it is. They're right. They're right. This sin cannot be committed today. It's interesting to note that apart from the synoptic gospels, the unpardonable sin is never mentioned anywhere in the New Testament. If this were a sin that people could commit today, wouldn't the Apostle Paul talk about it? Don't you think Paul would have mentioned it? After all, Paul dealt with the baptism of the Spirit. He he talked about, uh, well, that's another topic we'll have to talk about sometimes. Um, he talked about the... the uh, heretics known as the Gnostics. All right. He talked about just about every kind of doctrine you can imagine, but he didn't talk about the unpardonable sin. Why do you think that is? In Halley's Bible handbook, Henry Halley mentions three passages of scripture that are very similar to the unpardonable sin. And I found this interesting. And Halley, um, I'm not sure if Halley believes that the I, I think he does believe the unpardonable sin can be committed today. I think he does. I think he's I think he sits on the side that says if you reject Christ completely, that's the unpardonable sin. Okay, which I, I don't like. I don't like that. Um And what he's saying is he mentions these three passages of scripture and I think he's pointing out that these three passages of scripture are talking about the unpardonable sin. Oh okay, without saying those words unpardonable sin, you know or saying the words blasphemy against the spirit. but he's saying this is basically the unpardonable sin. So what I did was I looked up these passages and uh, we're gonna look them. I'm gonna read them to you right now. let's talk about it, let's figure it out. what are these passages talking about? Are they talking about the unpardonable sin or not? All right? the first one is Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Verses four through six, all right? This is one of the warning passages. Here's what it says. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Wow. Okay. Well, this warning passage is a big hypothetical. Yes, it is. Notice the keywords impossible and if. All right, the people being described here, they are saved. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, yeah, you know, enlightened, uh, tasted heavenly gift, partakers of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, those people weren't saved. No, 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 no. It's very clear from the scripture that those people were saved. Genuinely saved. So guess what? This thing is hypothetical, all right? These people are saved, but if you're really saved, you cannot truly fall away. If they were to fall away, it would be impossible to be renewed through repentance because they would be crucifying Christ again, all right? Because Jesus saved you. Once saved, always saved. You cannot lose your salvation. If you can lose your salvation, then guess what? Jesus better die on the cross again so he can save you again. All right. And and of course, that's that's ridiculous. This passage is not talking about the unpardonable sin. It's not talking about the unpardonable sin at all, because it's just a hypothetical. All right. You, you might know of someone who was a Christian and then they turned away from the faith. You know, they turned their back on the faith. They they became what we call apostate apostasy. That just means you falling away from the faith. OK, guess what? They're not coming back on the authority of scripture i would say that they were never saved to begin with all right what we call these these people who fall away and they they become so anti bible and anti god they were never saved to begin with they weren't okay they were never saved to begin with it, it's just not possible for someone who's saved to to now it's possible to backslide but i'm talking about someone who just turns away from the faith and becomes anti bible and starts hating god I, I just they were never saved to begin with The next passage here is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. Here's what it says. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Okay, so the author of Hebrews here is referring to someone who sins defiantly against God, willfully against God after hearing the gospel this is complete apostasy such an act of willful defiance excludes any kind of sacrifice or atonement all right they, they they are as we say beyond hope all right beyond because because they're so defiantly set in their ways it's kind of like pharaoh if you remember pharaoh from the book of exodus his his heart was so hard there was no way pharaoh was ever going to submit to god you know god had to put him through all these plagues and eventually Pharaoh said, Alright, go, get out of here, go. And even after that, he hardened his heart again and chased after the Israelites and ended up getting drowned in the sea. You know what Pharaoh was? He was just a glutton for punishment. He 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 was defiant, willfully, willfully uh turning against God, hardening his heart. Now the Bible says that God hardened his heart, sure. It also says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Okay? And so here, uh, you know, for Pharaoh, there, there's no atonement for Pharaoh because he was so far gone in his defiance against God. And so here's this person who's defiant against God. You know, all they're going to have to face is the fiery judgment of God. That's all they have to look forward to. So this passage has nothing to do with the unpardonable sin. Now, the last one here is 1 John 5, 16. First John 5, 16, it says, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Okay? Now Halley states that he believes the sin unto death is the unpardonable sin. He just says it outright. This is the unpardonable sin. I disagree. The Bible teaches that when a Christian sins over and over, which is possible, that eventually God might choose to take them home prematurely. You might know somebody like that. You might know somebody who, who just, they weren't living for the Lord, they weren't serving the Lord, and they died. God took them home prematurely. I know people like that. You might know people like that too. The reason God has kept us around, you know, he, he's got a purpose, Right? The reason why he's done that is so that we would bear fruit. Jesus said in John fifteen six, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. You know, that branch is useless, and therefore it is cast into the fire. Cast into the fire. Hey, if a branch on a fruit I'm talking about a branch on a fruit tree. A branch on a fruit tree has one purpose, and that is to bear fruit. And so that's your purpose as a Christian, to bear fruit. If you're not going to bear fruit, you're a useless Christian. And God looks at your life and he says, why am I even letting you live? You're not serving me. You're not bearing any fruit. You're not doing anything. In fact, you might be more harm for the cause of Christ. And so I'm going to take you home. I'm going to take you home before you do any more damage. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Jesus also said in Matthew 5, 13, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, but if you have lost your savor, you are good for nothing. You are useless. It just cast you out. Cast you out in the street and people walk all over you. You know, some Christians are like that. They're good for nothing. And so the sin unto death, I do believe, is referring to the fact that You can sin and sin and sin and sin and live in sin, which, by the way, a Christian doesn't have to live in sin. And so you can live in sin, and God eventually says, that's it. I'm done with you. I'm done with you, and I'm going to bring you home. And he takes you home prematurely. That is a sin unto death. It's not the unpardonable sin. It's not. Hey, remember... The Apostle John is writing to Christians. The book of 1 John is written to Christians. Well, Christians can't commit the unpardonable sin. If the unpardonable sin is rejecting Christ, then Christians can't do that because they're already saved, right? So why would that be in the Anyways, uh, that, that's just a little side note there. So no, I, I do not believe he's referring to the unpardonable sin. The sin unto death is living a life of sin so that the Lord takes you home. So now we come back to the question. Can the unpardonable sin be committed today? To answer that, I'm going to quote Paul Innes from his Moody Handbook of Theology. Here's what he says, and I quote, To commit the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit would require the physical presence of Jesus Christ in which he would teach and perform miracles, while the hearers and onlookers would reject his ministry, saying he is working by the power of Satan. The sin of blasphemy against the Spirit is not the same as unbelief. There is no indication in Scripture that if a person has once refused the gospel, that he will never again have an opportunity but to believe. Nor is there a particular sin today that cannot be forgiven. Who has not refused the gospel the first time they hear it, but later came to believe in Christ? And you know he's right. He's right. The unpardonable sin, rejecting Christ, rejecting Christ to the point of finality. How do you know when you've crossed that line? How do you know? Hmm? How many times have you witnessed to somebody and they reject Christ over and over and over and, and you want to give up? You just, oh, this person's never going to get saved. But you know what happens? Finally, over time, the Lord works in their hearts, works in their hearts, and eventually, He breaks them and they get saved. How many people who we've given up on have been saved after years? years of praying for them years of witnessing to them, and they finally get saved and we'd given up we thought they're never going to get saved no they got saved in other words we thought they'd committed the unpardonable sin you know they had hardened their heart beyond they'd rejected Christ to the point of finality it's over no no i want to say something here and i want this to sink in every sin can be forgiven if it is repented of every sin somebody can have such a hard heart Hard. They can harden their heart. Harden their heart. Harden their heart. Harden their heart. All right? And you know what? They can go on hardening their heart, and they can die in their sins without Christ. Absolutely. But they have not committed the unpardonable sin. Because the unpardonable sin cannot be committed today. The unpardonable sin was a very, very, very specific sin that was only committed back then. Because Jesus was present on the earth. Jesus would have to be present on the earth now for it to be committed. So I want you to understand that. I want you to understand what the unpardonable sin is. It cannot be committed today. It was a very, very specific sin. It is never mentioned again in the New Testament apart from the synoptic Gospels. It is never mentioned in the Pauline Epistles. Okay? The unpardonable sin is not rejecting Christ. That is unbelief. Rejection. That's not the same as the unpardonable sin. And and if you believe that the unpardonable sin is rejecting Christ, please prove it with Scripture. Where else in the Bible does it specifically mention the unpardonable sin is rejecting Christ? It's not in the Bible. All right. So I just want to make that clear, the unpardonable sin, what it is, and the fact that it cannot be committed today. And I sure hope that was a help to you. Thank you so much for listening. You can support this podcast with just as little as a dollar a month. Uh, there's a link at the end of the description of this episode, so if you'd like to support the show, I sure would appreciate it. Um, this series, entitled Let's Talk, is uh, just, um, I, I put this out just once a month, usually at the end of the month, all right? So you can look for it there too, but of course, please listen to my other podcast, The Preaching Podcast. It, it's the same feed uh, on on uh, the my, my podcast feed. It's all together. So you have The Preaching Podcast, that's every other week. And then Let's Talk is just once a month at the end of the month. So please uh, listen to all of that. It's just things that I want to be a help and a blessing to you and just want to encourage you and help you understand the Word of God better. But thank you so much for listening. Uh, You can go to my website, paulrobinsonbooks.com, and you can uh, check out my books, uh, my blog. Uh, You can buy my books on Amazon. The links are all there and everything. Uh, The uh, Becoming a Man books and their character studies on some of the Bible's greatest men and I sure would appreciate that. You can also check out my church's YouTube channel, Northside Baptist Church, North Glen, Colorado. Just type that in the search bar for YouTube. Uh, You can see some of my sermons there and sermons from the other pastors at my church, Northside Baptist Church. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Paul Robinson, and until next time, God bless you.